Gains Country Podcast, episode 18. This is going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. My name's Brett Finger, and I'm joined by a very sad group of people today. Justin Lape and Kyle Morton. How are you guys doing today? Apparently I'm sad. I don't, I don't know. Are you not sad? I, I'm kind of sad. I've been worse. I've been worse is very reassuring. I can feel the energy already. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how sad are you two with regards to hockey? Three? I mean, I don't know. I've, I'm kind of past sad. I'm just resigned at this point, honestly. It's nothing new. Justin? Regards to hockey, I am a, a like a two. Like, I'm pretty sad. Pretty sad. I, I don't think you understand my scale here. Okay, never mind. Ten. <laughs> I'm just going to give it a ten. Yeah, your scale's a little weird, but Whoa. yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty sad. But uh, we do have some positive stuff to start out the show, so or interesting things. Let you know, of course, this is a this is a Carolina Hurricanes podcast, but we've got some interesting stuff from around the hockey world to talk about. Brett, would you like to discuss it? Well, it looks like Seattle might be the location of the 32nd NHL franchise. The Seattle City Council approved a plan to renovate Key Arena, which was the former home of the Seattle Sonics up until 2008. The renovation of the arena is expected to be completed by fall of 2020. So in theory, if an NHL team or NBA team or what have you uh, was to move to Seattle or be put in Seattle, they would be able to play by the 2020-2021 season. So right now it looks like Seattle and Houston are the two main front runners. And guys, what are your thoughts on the new developments in Seattle and your overall thoughts about the 32nd NHL team and where it could go? Well, I think I think uh, Seattle's a great fit for them, uh, for the league. I think it's it's a big sports market. You have the the big support for you know teams like the Sounders and the Seahawks and the Mariners. Um, Supersonics. That I miss the Supersonics, but I, I mean, who knows if they if they get this arena deal done, the NBA may follow suit. So, no, I, I think it would be a great fit for them. I mean, obviously, the need for another Western Conference team is there with, you know, 16-15 right now. Um, I think that establishing maybe a rivalry with Vancouver could be awesome. I thought that we were doing that. No, no. With our recent play in Vancouver. No, no, no. Um, but I, no, I, I really welcome it. I think it's a great opportunity for the NHL. Um, you know, but then it, you know, it remains to be seen what's going to be done in Houston as well, because I know uh, the Rockets owner came out and said that he would love an NHL franchise. You know, then that's when you're looking at relocation. And, and are the Houston Hurricanes a possibility? Who knows. I wouldn't say so. I think I think it's going to be a tough expansion fight. I don't really see there being uh, a team that's kind of on the verge of being relocated. Maybe Arizona, but they're not. That's not on the verge. That's that's a situation where Bettman's going to give that as much time as it needs for the ownership situation to sort out. Uh, I'm mean, obviously there's some arena squabbles in uh, Calgary, uh, and to a lesser extent in Ottawa. Um, but I don't think there's any chance Bettman is going to lose another Canadian team. I would guess that Seattle and Houston will be battling it out for that 32nd expansion spot. And I think those are two two really good options. Give me a team name for the new Seattle or Houston franchise. Well, I like my uh, idea of the Seattle Spartans. I, I went with it in NHL 18 <laughs> as the expansion team. And, hey, they, they didn't do too bad uh, in their first year. No, I, I think uh, I don't know what the team name will be, but I think it would be a disservice if they don't kind of go with a green and yellow 
color scheme like the Supersonics once had. I really like that color scheme. So uh, any team you put on ice, I think it's a disservice if you don't have green or yellow in there. The Houston Oilers like the football team. The Houston Oilers. Yes, that would be an, a great idea. Or the Houston Coyotes. <laughs> what about the Seattle Thunder? The Seattle Thunder. <laughs> too far, Kyle. Too far. That too soon? That's way too soon. Um, yes, I bet I, I bet everybody in Seattle would absolutely love that name. I'm sure it'd be welcomed with open arms. <laughs> Why not them? Why not them? Exactly. Why not them? Why not Russia? They're going to be banned from the Winter Olympics. Um those damn cheating Russians. <laughs> cheating Russians. <laughs> will not be participating in the 2018 Winter Olympics. What are you guys' initial thoughts on the matter? There's a lot going on for sure. Uh, if if there is no Russian team at the the men's hockey tournament, that it's going to be a lot more interesting because they were going to be the only country that really had a huge pipeline of professional players with the NHL out of things. And that'll open the door for, for a country that has, you know, like Finland and Sweden. They have some guys in their own leagues uh, that maybe wouldn't have measured up to Russia's guys. But now they're going to have a chance just on experience. And then, you know, USA and Canada are going to the doors open for them a little bit, too. Uh, I think the tournament maybe got a, le- a lot less good in quality, but certainly more interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to be I'm still going to end up watching it. I think I think, you know, I just love hockey too much. I love Olympic hockey. Um, you know, it does think that the NHL is not going to be there. But uh, one of the questions that was brought up I saw recently was, did the NHL kind of dodge a bullet here, um, you know, with all this stuff from Russia uh, and, and not sending their players over? Um, you know, having amateurs is going to be interesting. Um, you know, you're not going to see the stars and be able to broadcast, um, you know, on a big network, um, you know, your top end talent. But, you know, it's it's just it's crazy. I, I never saw this coming, really. And uh, frankly, it, it's crazy from a few months ago. We were talking about, you know, players like Ovechkin, uh, you know, saying, I'm going to go no matter what. Um, and then, you know, things kind of just fell apart. So it, it's it's still going to be a great tournament. I'm still going to end up watching it. Uh, but, yeah, no, that, no top end talent there is going to be pretty interesting to watch. It kind of feels like they dodged a bullet. The NHL did to an extent, right? I mean... You know, I was I was surprised too to see that they they're being held out altogether. Russia is so they they came down hard on them, and there was a bunch of other um, penalties and whatnot from from that doping scandal or whatever. But in a sense, uh, Justin, you make a good point. That kind of does feel like, to an extent, they're dodging the bull, dodging a bullet. NHL is, but even then, I still think it's kind of ridiculous how they're not going to be going over to Russia to play in those games. Another player who's in the news is Drew Doughty. I don't know what he said, but he said something. He wants some money. He he wants a lot of money. And he kind of just, the way he put it was, it sounds like he's headed to free agency almost, or at least to be able to gauge um, what's out there. Um, He said that he he believes he should earn more than P.K. Subban and that he and Eric Carlson will discuss their approach together so what do you guys think of that you think that you know the nhl kind of has this culture of of loyalty and sticking with your current team if a big name like drew Doughty goes or even eric carlson does that change the momentum of the league yeah i think carlson more so is going to be the guy to watch uh at least as as long as eugene melna is the owner of the senators because 
that's going to be a budget team as long as he's he's in charge there. And Carlson came out and said, uh, after Dowdy made his comments, that wherever he goes, he's going to get paid what he's worth. And what he's worth is almost definitely more than $10 million a year. So unless there's a, a, a big ownership change in Ottawa, uh, I, would, I would not be surprised at all to see Eric Carlson hit the free agent market following next offseason. And that would be huge. Um, uh, every team would be lining up to grab him. Uh, he'd have no shortage of suitors. And I think we might be starting to be seeing a shift in this league where players are realizing that they're limiting their earning potential by staying with the team that drafted them through their the entirety of their primes. And I think uh, free agency is going to start being a major factor in team building again as, as guys start to plan around getting there younger. Now, right now, Drew Doughty has a $7 million cap hit, and Carlson has about a $6.75 million cap hit. What do you guys think they're worth? They'll both be 29 when they hit free agency, and that is not this coming summer, but the summer of 2019. So what do you guys think they earn by then? Well, Carlson deserves to be the highest paid defenseman in the league. I don't think there's much of a debate to that. He's the best defenseman in the league. So I think that would mean that he's getting north of 10. Um, I think Dowdy should be right around that number two, probably a little bit less, but still more than Subban's nine. I think he's around 10. I don't know. Uh, what's tough about this is we've never really seen defensemen hit the open market, um, especially two of maybe the top three or four best defensemen in the league hitting the open market um, in this era, at least. Um, with so much money involved in paying players now, uh, and they're both hitting the market at the same time, I think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic. I'm really interested to see what teams are going to make plays on them. Yeah, and that that's a matter of, you know, you wonder if, if you feel like a guy like Dowdy or Carlson is leaning, you're going to see teams start to do the salary dumps and the, and the players that, um, you know, hold them down for a bunch of years. Because if if a, if players of those substance end up making free agency, you can bet they're going to get the top dollars and the team has to find a way to fit them under the cap. Now the cap has been rising, you know, it's going to be at 80 million projected next year. Um, and the league's making a good amount of money. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You got to think um, maybe some of the smaller market teams, you got to think teams like the Rangers or Detroit, I know was one thing that was mentioned in uh, Craig Custance's article. They're a team that is, kind of already middled down in bad contracts, so I don't know if they want to take another one on. Speaking of very good defensemen, Noah Hannafin has turned into that this season. He leads all NHL defensemen in 5-on-5 points per 60. Uh, He leads all NHL defensemen in 5-on-5 shot attempt share, or Corsi 4 percentage, and he's in the top 10 in expected goals for 5-on-5. So, the development of Noah Hannafin, it looks like it's finally turning the corner and he's turning into exactly what this team hoped he would turn into um, here in his third season, still at the very young age of 20. Yeah, uh, this has been something I've been kind of watching, keeping track of all year. Straight up, Hannafin is the most talented defenseman that this team has. Um, just with the puck on his stick, going through the neutral zone, carrying the puck, uh, passing the puck, even shooting the puck sometimes. He doesn't have the hardest shot, but he gets it on net a good bit. Uh, and then he he finds himself in goal scoring goal scoring areas a lot more than some of the other defenders do. Um, he's just very smart about when he's timing those more aggressive pinches. Uh, and he's just a joy to watch right now. He's he's so dynamic to the extent that he's kind of just been a 
appointment viewing when the rest of the team has been really not worth watching lately. And I would expect it to continue. I think he'll be uh, establishing himself as an elite number one defenseman uh, this year. And it was frankly just a matter of time for him to put it all together. Uh, he's obviously had all the tools in the toolbox, uh, just needed to get that toolbox, and it seems like he's got it now. Of all the years uh, that he would get better, I think that he's doing himself quite a favor doing it this year in his final year of his ELC. But, yeah, he's been, without a doubt, the best defenseman on his team, really, in my opinion, since the start of November. So my question for you guys is, does Hannafin have the potential to be an elite offensive defenseman, or is he still just going to be a combination of both? What's interesting is when he was kind of scouted, there weren't a whole lot of people, I don't think, if I remember correctly, really hyping up his offensive ability. It was kind of about him being a two-way defenseman, but this season he's been a really impactful offensive contributor. I mean, he's leading the blue line points. Um, He's really made up for the fact that Justin Falk hasn't been good, really. So... I mean, if he continues as he is right now, there's no reason to think that he can't be a top-of-the-line offensive producer, point producer, from the blue line. And really, his two-way game, even though it's not as highly you know, noticeable as his offensive production, of course, um, it's improved a lot, too. I mean, you don't see Noah Hannafin running into bad defensive situations much at all anymore. Granted, he's used... A lot, you know, on offensive zone faceoffs, he leads the team uh, it, with regards to defensemen, at least uh, in terms of zone start percentage in the offensive zone. He's being used in a way that showcases his ability, you know, with the puck on his stick and his skating ability with the puck. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at him and you look at his talent, I don't think there's any doubt that he can be an elite offensive defenseman. So, uh, we are recording this on a Wednesday. Uh, the past three games have been a 5-1 to one beatdown from New York, a 3-2 to two win against Florida, and just recently a shutout loss to the Vancouver Canucks. We actually received a Twitter question from at Nonprofit Kaniac, and he asked, can the Canes keep the fire they had during the Florida game lit to push them through this road trip and the rest of the season? After last night's showing, what do you guys think? No. Hard no right now, to be quite honest. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of fire last night. There was a good first period, as was mentioned by a lot of people, but they didn't keep that up. They got their butts kicked in the second, and they didn't show a whole lot of fight in the third. I mean, they're going to have to find it. Uh, Adam Gold tweeted out last night something I thought was very correct, honestly. Um, He said that if your only path to winning is to outwork the other team, you're never going to be better than average. And that's very true. Um, at some point, it doesn't matter how hard you're working. Uh, the other guys on the other side are going to be working hard, too, and they're going to start winning. They're going to beat you because if that's your primary path of winning and you're not relying on you know, having talented hockey players, having elite goaltending, having an out-of-this-world defense like this team is supposed to have, then someone's beating you somewhere pretty much every night. It feels like this team has to play a perfect hockey game in order to get a win. So they have to work hard. They have to get the bounces. They have to um, cash in on their scoring opportunities. And right now that just doesn't happen, be it because 
Um, Kyle, you had a really good tweet last night. Whether it's because the players aren't conforming or playing into or buying in to Bill Peters' system, or Bill Peters' system uh, does not work for this group of players, or whatever it is, it just it there's a disconnect. It looks like there's there's just a disconnect between the players and the in the system and the coaching staff, and there's no really reason to think that that's going to get fixed anytime soon. I mean, sometimes we get these games like that Florida game where we're like, okay, that was a really promising win. You know, it looked like they bought in, they stood up for themselves, and they stood up for them for their teammates, and they scored when they needed to score, and they followed up with that Vancouver game that was just embarrassing, you know? Like, there's at this point, there's really nothing for me to be all too optimistic about. It still feels like there's still a team that is on the outside looking in with regards to, you know, being a team that can actually compete for a playoff spot. And, you know, that's really just discouraging because we were told by everyone that this year is legitimately going to be the year. And it hasn't been anywhere close to what it was expected to be or what it needed to be. The fact that they they start this huge road trip with a loss like that to Vancouver, a team that they haven't beaten on the road since the 1999 season, what what from that game suggests to you or anyone that you know San Jose and LA and Anaheim and Vegas and Buffalo, all these road games to uh, finish out this road trip, what suggests to you that they're going to be any different? I don't think many people would have a solid answer for that because at this point, you don't know what team you're going to get on a nightly basis. Are you going to get the game against Florida or are you going to get the game against Vancouver? And it feels like whenever we get the great games, games that for most teams would be a building block. You build off that game and you build some momentum moving forward. When the Hurricanes get those games, they follow them up with duds. Even when you have the good games, they don't mean shit. I mean, they're just going to lose the next one. They, they don't build momentum. This team obviously isn't buying into whatever Bill Peters is trying to throw out there or what Bill Peters is throwing out there just doesn't work, apparently, at least not for this group of players. And I have no doubt that Bill Peters is a good hockey coach, but not all good coaches win in the NHL. So as shitty as this is, I think that if if you're Ron Francis, I think you have to look at this with the thought process of, okay, this is obviously not where they need to be right now. What can I do to fix it? And I I tweeted out during the Vancouver game, if Ron Francis is watching this and he isn't concerned, then he's one of the problems. And there are a lot of problems right now with this team. And until some problems get addressed, they're just going to be in limbo for the rest of the year, and they're going to finish with the eighth pick in the draft, and they're going to get a decent player who will be ready in two years, and that'll be that. Those are the best kinds of players, though. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, you know, getting shut out is always worrying, but here's the comparable stat. The Canes have 72 goals for, as of the recording of this podcast. You want to know who has 73 the Arizona Coyotes, and look how their season is going. Um, I'm not comparing apples to oranges here. I'm just saying that obviously cons- consistency on the scoring end of things is just not there. It, it hasn't been. I don't know if they're expecting someone to step up because 
obviously the talent is just isn't on this roster. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, I think it was either Kyle, it was either Kyle or Brett. One of you guys said last night that if Ron Francis is sitting there and thinking that there's something not wrong with his team and that he shouldn't try to make a move somewhere, then, you know, they, it's just a lack of he's incompetence. You know, he's one of the problems. I just don't see how you can sit on your wealth, wealth of prospects um, and not make a move to help this current team, a team that you guys said the playoffs is the goal. Well, you know, we haven't seen anything from the team on the ice or the management side to prove us otherwise. I mean, what has Ron Francis done to convince anyone that he thinks this team's good enough? We talked about it last week. This isn't some unknown thing. Lee Stempniak's been out the entire damn year. That's 40 points that you were counting on having. It's not there. That's an effective top nine forward, a veteran at that, who has won in different teams in the league. And he's a valuable piece. And they haven't done anything to replace that. I mean, he's been gone. We haven't heard anything about him in weeks. If he's expecting him to come back, that's wonderful. That's great. So are we expecting a 34-year-old to come back after not playing hockey for like eight months, come back and play, be, be effective, top nine? I don't expect that. Maybe, maybe they do. And if they wait too long, it's too late, you know? Like, seasons can end pretty damn fast if you're sitting there 35, 40 games into the season, you're on the outside looking in. Good luck trying to get back into it because there's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, if you look year by year at the NHL, if December, mid-December rolls around, New Year's rolls around, and you're on the outside looking in, uh, well, you've put yourself in a pretty shitty situation. And this time, it feels like the people at blame are different. You know, like, in years past, it hasn't been an issue of, oh, the coaching isn't sufficient, or whatever, this time it just feels like Ron Francis hasn't assembled a team that is good enough. Um, at least in years past, you you could say it, it's just his first few years of you know rebuilding and restocking here. I mean, this is this is the beginning of something special, and we were told by everyone that this would this would be the year, and clearly it isn't. Unless something drastic changes, there's nothing at all with this team that suggests to me that. This is going to be any different than the past eight years. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel here, but I really don't think that right now anybody should uh, take that as gospel. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think everything you just said is fair. I, I, agree, I agree with what you said. But doesn't it feel like they should be further along than this? I know rebuilds take a long time. Yeah, they can, I mean, but they should. This isn't. We aren't the Buffalo Sabers. We should be a further along in this rebuild than than they are right now. I mean, look at the damn team. Like, is there anybody really on that roster that screams to you as bad? Shouldn't be in this league. I, not to me. I mean, Derek Ryan. Derek Ryan's been fine for what for what for who he is, but like, there's a bunch of just guys on this team. Like, there's no the guy. It would seem there's just a bunch of guys. And Jeff Skinner had a great start, and he can, you know, I think Kyle said this last week, uh, at any point he can score 10 goals in seven games, and he can be one of the best players in the league, but when those 10 games, or when those seven games 
are few and far between, that, that just kind of feeds back into this team not being consistent at all. So, in my opinion, there's far too many players on this team that are underperforming to an extent that is just straight up unacceptable because they're never going to be good unless they're getting the most out of these players that are supposed, you know, key guys that can make a difference. For me, the Canes are kind of like Columbus, but the opposite of Columbus, more or less. They have, they don't have the superstar power. I mean, of course, the Blue Jackets have Bobrovsky, who's, you know, the top goaltender in the league. But they have a bunch of young players that have just meshed well. And I think that's what the Canes were supposed to be, but it hasn't worked yet. Um, whether that's the secondary scoring issues or it's top scorers going through droughts, especially like a Sebastian Ajo, um, you know, you just want more out of these guys. They went on a really good run, that line, that TSA line. That was the only reason, now that we're seeing it, that was the only reason why they were winning games in November. Like, that was the only, like, they were propelling this team to, to wins on a frequent basis. And now, now that they're not scoring as a line three goals a game, you see how bad this team can be. It's really, and even dating back to last year and earlier in the year, it was Jeff Skinner propelling them to wins when they were winning. They they only win on a consistent basis when a line or a player are going. But hey, maybe there's light at the end of the tunnel. You ever know. Maybe this five-game road trip, or the what's left of the six-game road trip, which would be five games, in San Jose, Los Angeles, Anaheim, Las Vegas, and Buffalo... We'll, we'll turn things around for the team. Justin, do you think that's going to happen? Uh, there's nothing to otherwise prove that. Um, I think you get two wins out of those five games, uh, those three losses, whether they're in overtime or or in regulation, most likely in regulation. Um, but no, th- there's nothing that shows me otherwise, um, especially after a poor showing against Vancouver. You know, you do want to get out on the right foot, especially on a big, you know, momentous road trip like that you know we've been looking at the schedule and saw how december and all the road games were there um and you know we wanted to see something from this team that would prove us otherwise but um no i i don't see too many positives coming out of this you you want to think that they're going to be buffalo to round out that road trip uh i think before they head into a game against columbus i want to say um but yeah the the west coast swing has always been kind of iffy for us um, and no, I don't, I don't see anything changing really. This is a negative podcast. Yeah. If you guys were expecting laughs this week, you, I'm sorry. You didn't really get them. If you want to laugh, go ahead and watch the hurricanes play Vancouver. <laughs> Maybe the hurricanes will be good in five years. And in that case, there will probably be some players from this year's Charlotte checkers team that's contributing to that success. Justin, give us a few reasons maybe to be optimistic about the future of this franchise because we desperately need it well i'm not saying i put all your eggs in one basket but um there there's definitely been some positives coming out of uh charlotte and leading off that list is definitely warren fogel who over the last four games has been dominating um he's registered four goals and three assists including his first career hat trick um and he's been kind of a guy that's flying under the radar here um but he's just he just senses everything really well. You you see him, he's always in the right place at the right time. And I know that's a cliche, um, 
But, you know, also, though, the thing that's, you know, maybe he might mellow out a little bit because he's shooting 29% right now. You're happy that he stepped up because Walmart was out for a few games there with a mystery injury. It was, it was called upper body, uh, but there was no evidence that it was a concussion or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, they, they've started to turn the corner. They they went on a stretch of four straight losses, um, but now they are 3-0-1 over their last four games, um, and they're rolling into a pretty tough month of December. Um, but luckily, it's going to be a lot of games at home. They hit the road for a pair of games this weekend, uh, where they'll take on the Wilkes-Barre Penguins and then the Albany Devils, and then it's six games at home to help them build momentum as they go into the holidays. Um, but yeah, Warren Fogle has been a strong point. Nedeljkovic has looked good at times. He's getting the wins. Um, you know, whether he's the franchise goalie we've all been dreaming for, I don't know. Uh, his save percentage is at 907 right now, so it's not, you know, anything to be like, oh my gosh, at. But, um, you know, a 230 goals against average, I don't know. He But he's only facing around 24 shots a game. So, you know, whether he's been truly tested this season, you know, that remains to be seen. But he is the number one goalie heading into the month of December. Uh, Mike Vellucci basically said that he's going to be taking over. So um, there there are a few prospects down here that are positive. And I'd also say uh, Alexi Sorella is another guy that's, that's really been standing out. So um, whether those players are going to be eventual Canes or not, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, you could at least use one of them in a trade to help the current team. Goche has been starting to find his stride a little bit too, hasn't he? I think I've seen him have a couple goals lately. Yes, he's also found his stride a little bit. Uh, he actually, his first goal was in a garbage game where it was like a 6-2 to two loss. But I, I honestly, it's been my favorite goal of the season. He he stick-lifted a guy and then just went top shelf, and, and it was it was beautiful. And it was on Thatcher Demko too, one of the, the top goalie prospects in the league. Um, so, yeah, uh, he's, he's been heating up, too. You know, you, you he's like a big man child, as they say. You know, he's a huge guy. So when Goche makes it to the NHL, what will be talked about more? The fact that he is a large man boy who grew up in a family full of bodybuilders or Jeff Skinner's figure skating ability? Uh, still Jeff Skinner's figure skating ability. Really? That will never be forgotten. Um, yes, that narrative has been used every single time and they will cut to, uh, you know, that picture of him as a kid where he's all dressed up and he's got that big curly hair. Uh, and they'll, yeah, they'll, then they'll show examples of him, you know, doing the 12 and six, the edges, no, Jeff Skinner's skating ability will still be the narrative for any Canadian national media of the players on the Charlotte checkers. Who do you think has the most legitimate NHL upside in terms of being an impactful NHL player? Um, honestly, from what I've seen, and I know it's a rookie year, but I really like Fogel. Um, I'm not high on Zekoff like a lot of people are. Well, he was shooting like 45% for 20 games. Yeah, and it came down a little bit. It's at about 25 now, but uh, it's yeah, it's still, it's still going to come down. Um, I don't know. If I had to rank a top five, I'd put Fogel probably number one. I just wow. I've really impressed. Um, I even though he hasn't brought the offense as much, I got to put Gautier just on pure size and his shot is. I mean, you you saw it at you know summer camps and stuff like that. I mean, he he's he's got some good skills. Uh, three, 
I'd probably put Yanni Wokeboy. <laughs> um, he's found some good chemistry with Sorella. He's a very good playmaker. Um, I'll put Walmart at four. And it's not that I don't think Walmart is a legit NHL prospect. I just I don't know if the transition will be as great. Um, so I'll put him at four, and I will put Sorella at number five. I like his shot as well, but he's he's very, very streaky. You know, he'll put four goals in two games, um, but then, you know, go seven games without a goal, and he just looks frustrated and, you know, down on himself. He's also one, yeah, he's t- he tends to slam a stick a little bit more or something if he messes up. And I just think... He, he's just got to bring that positive energy to keep his game up. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably round out the top five there. Where does uh, Nicola Waugh come into the equation? Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, you could interchange him. But he has a similar style, style to Fogel, too. And just, again, right place at right time. He he sees the game well. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I think I'll stick with my list. All right. I respect your list. I absolutely respect your list. And if, if, if I had to include Nadelkovich in there, I don't know if I would. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm just never high on goalie prospects, and that's no disrespect to him. I'm just – I never get too excited about goalie prospects because, you know, sometimes they, they may not translate. Or, you know, late bloomers like an Eddie Lack. I miss Eddie Lack. <laughs> anybody, miss Eddie, anybody else miss Eddie Lack? I can't say I feel the same way. Seems like Kyle does. Calgary didn't miss him. Uh, I miss Eddie Lack. I miss the person, Eddie Lack. Yeah, miss, yeah, for I sure. I miss the commercials. All right, Justin, final checkers question. Of those players, who's going to be in the NHL first? Okay, so I guess it just comes down to need. If they're out of a playoff position or, like, heavily out of a playoff position in March, I think you're going to see a lot of them get called up. Uh, and just interchange some of the the other players that you can take out and you can scratch. Like, you know, I'm not saying any disrespect to them, but players like Ryan or McGinn or something like that, players that aren't of dire need that you could scratch. I don't know. I would probably put – ooh, that's a tough one. I'll put Walmart up there first Mm -hmm. just because of familiarity. I mean, he got those, what, two games in the NHL last year? Eight. Eight? Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. two points in eight games. It was Tol- was it Tolchinsky that did two games? Yep, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think I think it'll go with Walmart. And again, he has 17 points in 14 games. So I mean, he's brought it this year again. But uh, I, maybe Gautier, maybe Gautier, just to see if it works. Well, I certainly hope that they that they provide at least a little bit of optimism coming down the stretch. If this team is not in the playoff hunt, which who knows. Maybe they'll win a lot of games on the stretch. Maybe. Maybe they'll win all five games left on this road trip. Right. They might win all five. Possible. You know, I, I think that this game could be kind of fun. Uh, we we did our NHL 18 trades. Um, a booming hit. But I saw... Yeah, I mean, it was critically acclaimed. And I know Kyle loved them. <laughs> I just know it. Um, and I'm sure Kyle's going to love this game as, as well. Um but I, I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter, so I, it came to my attention. I was thinking of playing a game of whether it is a Gucci Mane tweet. And in Gucci Mane, as you guys know, is an Atlanta, quote-unquote, recording artist. East Atlanta. Um, 
East Atlanta, excuse me, um, or a Josh Hosang tweet. Now, both of them tweet very inspirational things. Um, and Josh Hosang has kind of become famous for that around the NHL. Um, so I'm going to say a tweet, and you guys have to guess it. And we're going to just go maybe three or four tweets. But um, you have to guess it. You can't look. And all right. So the first one is treat yourself extremely well. You're worth it. Kyle. Uh, that's Gucci. Brett. That's Hosang, I think. Oh, you guys are good. All right. All right. Yes. They got that correct. Now we both said. I'm pretty sure we said different answers, Justin. Oh, I thought you said Gucci. All right, well this is going well. I said Jose. All right. Um, next. <laughs> who know who was it? It was Gucci. It was Gucci. Okay. <laughs> this um, game's going really well. Um, okay. If tomorrow is the reason you wake up every day, then you have already wasted today. Jose. Jose. It was Jose. Man, you guys are good at this. <laughs> Um, okay. I got the first one wrong. All right, next. Making mistakes is better than faking perfections. Oh, that's Hosang, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, I'm going to go Hosang. Man, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, one more. We'll round it out. All right. Uh, and I will continue to prosper. Oh, that's tough. Gucci. Uh, I'm going to say I think both of them tweeted this. <laughs> I think this is a trick question. You would believe Hosang would, but it was actually Gucci. So point to Kyle. He wins Went this week. Four for four. Yeah. Wow. He nailed it. I, I don't know if you follow. Do you follow Gucci Mane? Or you just, no, I don't. Just... I don't follow either of them, honestly. Wow. All right. So Kyle is four for four. He takes this week. He'll be back next week. Congrats, Kyle. I know you all love it. It's a little pep talk after this terrible Terrible, terrible stretch of games from the Carolina Hurricanes. Maybe maybe their season will be on the upswing the next time we talk. Yeah, maybe we'll bring a little bit more energy. <laughs> Doubtful. We'll bring as much energy as the Hurricanes bring in their next few games before we talk again. Yeah, maybe that. maybe that we'll, seems fair. Maybe we'll start strong and then tank at the end. <laughs> I mean, that, that seems to be the current theme. Um, but thanks again uh, for listening, you guys. This was episode 18 of the Canes Country Podcast. You can follow us all on Twitter. Um, you can follow all of our great stuff at canescountry.com, part of SB Nation and Vox Media. Um, you can follow me at Lanky Lape on Twitter. I cover the Charlotte Checkers. You can follow me at K underscore Morton 9. Uh, I write normally analytic stuff, sometimes game coverage. Today I wrote sad. Um, you should go read it, honestly. Definitely go read it. It's very good. It was it was fantastic. Very good. And you can follow me on Twitter at Brett Finger, B-R-E-T-T-F-I-N-G-E-R. Definitely go check out all the stuff that's going on at canescountry.com. Maybe it will get a little bit more positive as time goes on. Probably not. Uh, there's no reason for it at this point. But definitely go check out Kyle's piece. Um, it's very good. All right. Thanks again, and hope you'll join us next week. Bye. 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 Oh, that was wonderful. We kept it short and sweet. We did. I don't know. Right. Yeah, maybe not sweet. Maybe not sweet.